0: Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. Hello and welcome back to Court Truth. Mark Follett here with Rudy Eckhart. Today, we were going to explore a subject that forms the basis of Rudy's book and his work in practice and Uh, The training that I'm receiving from him as well. We want to understand what is a belief. Now, before we discuss that, just quickly, Rudy, I think you're going to use the word consciousness to describe a person, to explain this. Can you just probably define what you mean when you're talking about the word consciousness first of all, and then then maybe talk about uh, how a consciousness perceives beliefs, how it becomes part of a, a consciousness.
1: Okay, well... We're talking, about, of course, about human beings and the consciousness of a human being Mm. and um, what a belief is to a human being. Now, beliefs um, can be something as simple as um, that the moon is made of green cheese or that um, specific things in the world are um, true or not true, uh, such as a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow or... Um, good luck, or any of those things. On a deeper level, the effect of all of this and um, what it means to your consciousness becomes more and more complicated. And I don't want to go into the deepest complication of all of this at the moment because I think that's a bit too much right now. But I just want to discuss the general nature of beliefs and the general understanding of what, what beliefs are all about because if you are to ask anybody what is a belief then you would get a reply that it's based on examples mm-hmm. rather than an explanation of what a belief actually is now beliefs to our human consciousness uh, and i'm going to draw a comparison here a metaphorical comparison is what a lens is to a camera so in other words the a camera without a lens cannot take any pictures and has no, no um, establishes no connection to the world it's trying trying to put on film.
0: It's got no focus.
1: It's got no focus and it, it can't it can't perform if you like. So as soon as you put a lens on the camera, it has the capacity to perform, to its function, and it has the capacity then to take pictures. But then, what pictures you get depends on the nature of the lens and the condition of the lens. So if it's a wide-angle lens, you can only get wide-angle pictures. And if it's a zoom lens, you can get close-ups. If the lens is distorted, then you will never get a good picture. Or cracked. Or Or scratched. Or or foggy, or anything like that. So any distortion in the lens will create a distorted picture. In a very similar way, our belief systems, by which we identify ourselves and uh, By that I mean if you believe, for instance, that you're unacceptable or unwanted, then that is who you believe yourself to be, and you'll probably act and behave that way in the world. A belief will define you to yourself, for one. But it will also define the manner of that relationship that that belief um, uh, determines for you with yourself and the world. Um, again, I go back to unacceptable. Say, so if you believe you're unacceptable, then you're first of all unacceptable to yourself. And then, of course, you expect that others will see you as you see yourself because there's no other way that you can think. So you then become un- unacceptable in your eyes and your belief to the world, So, so in, in, in
0: your metaphor then, the lens that you are taking your sense of self pictures with yeah. Is unacceptable lens. So yeah. you're, you're looking at every situation in the world and taking a, a snapshot of it for your sense of self, which is your picture, yeah. through a lens of believing that you are unacceptable yeah. in the metaphor.
1: In real life, of course, uh, we don't take picture snaps, we create experiences. Mm. And the experiences. So those
0: experiences is, form memories in the same way that a picture roll is taken on a camera?
1: Well, what, what happens, um, and I'll try and be specific with this, is say we go back to unacceptable as a as, a, as an example. If you believe you're unacceptable and um, you therefore believe that others will not accept you because of your own judgment of yourself, then you got basically two fundamental ways to do something about it or to do nothing about it. Is... Um, One, to avoid situations in which you may potentially be um, judged or criticized and therefore your unacceptability, as you perceive it, will be exposed. The second way will be that you do your very bestest to um, behave in ways to prove to everybody how acceptable you are. This can be aggressive or passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive would be to be a pleaser. And aggressive would be to present yourself uh, to others in a way where they have to make the choice to accept you or not. And a lot of the time, of course, what happens is that you get criticized for your behavior because it's a little bit out of bounds and it's a little bit um, confronting in the eyes of others. And of course, if they criticize you, then you say, say to yourself, I have proof. I have proof that I'm not acceptable because people won't accept me because they criticize me. And in that way, those memories that you create, all right, uh, become memories that confirm your belief and make it even more deeply rooted as a reality for yourself and as a truth. Mm. So belief systems are extremely powerful. A belief is like a tool for the mind, if you like, a tool by which it can create life experiences, through the pathway that I just described, so if 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 we have positive beliefs, and a positive belief would be a belief that is based on um, being acceptable, so knowing bl- that you're loved, knowing
0: that you're acceptable and that others will accept you, for knowing you that are. you're
1: loved and others will love you, knowing that you're wanted because you feel you belong, knowing you're trusted and trustworthy. Knowing that you're special without being more than anybody else. Knowing that you're significant without um, being more significant than others. Realizing that others have their own significance and their own specialness and their own uniqueness, as you do. If you're in that state of mind, then you, this will support positive beliefs, which will then create positive experiences, which will then create positive memories, which will reaffirm those positive beliefs. Mm.
0: Do, do, you, do you believe in... If we go back to the metaphor again, I'm trying to draw it back to that because I think it will help for my understanding and our listeners' understanding. Do you think that the innate self holds the positive beliefs and our conditioning holds a negative belief and there's actually a conflict between the two or is it actually if you were to, to remove the negative belief, you replace it with a positive or is there actually a friction between the two in your life? If you have a negative belief, you also have a positive... So if you believe you're not acceptable but innately you came into the world with the expectation that you were, so there's actually is there a conflict between two belief systems going on there or is it that you've swapped one for the other one?
1: Well, the problem with the human mind is that all things are possible. Hmm. And so, yes, all of the things you're saying are possible. So we now come down, is it just possible or what is more likely? And so we've got to go to more likely. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, yes it is possible to have conflicting belief you can have conflicting negative beliefs Hmm. Uh, positive beliefs are never conflicting because they don't conflict with anything because they represent the true nature of your being now positive beliefs um, come from a place that I call the essence of your spirit so it's unconditional love unconditional acceptance and unconditional trust they become reality Easily and effortlessly, if I could use those words, when you are in the world as you're truly meant to be. So you first of all, and I think to understand beliefs better, I think you need to understand how you arrive in the world in the first place perhaps. And then how those beliefs, positive or negative, can become a part of you. Right? And this has to do with a lot of that upbringing. But you arrive in the world, first of all, with the expectation and the need and the right and the entitlement that you sense that you have to be unconditionally loved, to be unconditionally wanted, and to be unconditionally trusted, and to be unconditionally accepted. And therefore, you would, if you were treated that way, be unconditionally lovable in your sense and your feeling because that's the experience you would have and that's the memory it would create. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. If my parents love and accept me unconditionally, and let me be myself unconditionally,
0: yeah, because there's no conflict with your um, innate self, because you, you
1: there is no conflict because, because because there's no there's nothing to conflict with. That's right. Yes. All right. So there is no conflict because there's nothing to conflict with mm-hmm. at this time. So if your parents can be totally unconditional with you, then and you grow in this unconditional environment then you are very likely to grow up feeling unconditional about yourself and your relationship with the world. Because that's your innate self. That's how you grow up. So you are just what you are Mm -hmm. without having to be anything else. Mm -hmm. However, um, since just about every parent on this planet have their own issues and problems and uh, fears and insecurities we are exposed to that when we grow up. So instead of love, acceptance, trust, and being wanted, being unconditional, we experience the fear and insecurity of our parents, which then makes that love, that acceptance, and that trust, and being wanted conditional. It's when the unconditional love and unconditional acceptance and so on become conditional that we experience that emotion that we call fear, mm. emotional fear. While we have been exposed, particularly at school and, and through the general media, uh, to the concept of um, physical survival, the survival of the fittest, a Darwinian kind of concepts, right? There is a much stronger and a much more powerful force in us, which is emotional survival. We want to emotionally survive. As unconditional loving, accepting, uh, trusting beings, consciousnesses, if you like,
0: and I would say that, in, especially in today's society, uh, there's not too many instances you could think of where your physical survival was at stake. Your emotional survival, though, is constantly, constantly at stake.
1: At stake, possibly
0: yeah. different in the in the. In the history of mankind, at some stage, where physical survival mm. on a daily basis was a key focus, but it's certainly not uh, in this day and age. For most people, emotional survival is their key issue. It's a constant, and physical survival is something that They, may, they may not even, you know, might not even experience that in a given year.
1: Yeah, you say most people, but the, the reality is that people that live in poverty. Mm-hmm. People that live under war circumstances or are refugees, people who are displaced for whatever reason through um, um, maybe a disaster or, or something like that, um, do live in fear of the physical survival oh, at that I, time. I, I
0: agree. That was probably more thinking of our listeners with listening to a podcast, perhaps, rather than uh, the world at large. Sure,
1: sure. But we need to also accept yes. a wider understanding and not not apply something just to us. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to apply it to everything it. around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our, our emotional survival is, is really paramount um, to, this, our, to the survival of our consciousness and is secondary, in fact, to the survival of our body, which, which explains altruism if we ever get into that conversation. For now, I just want to talk about belief systems and consciousness in the manner that we started this conversation. The, the beliefs that we hold are basically determined by our parents and the way we we're raised. So we, we come into the world with an expectation, the expectation to be unconditionally loved, wanted and accepted. I'm just reiterating. With that expectation comes an incessant desire to experience oneself through creation, that is our own creative processes, through choices and decisions.
0: Through so the creation of
1: experiences. Through so creation of experiences in life. Mm-hmm. To experience ourselves through that. Yes. Right? To evolve, because we constantly want change. To um, fulfill inner desires and expectations, which can be uh, talents and abilities, um, particular fascinations that we have for passions and interests. Um, to, to fulfill the potential that basically is locked up in us when we come into this world. The potential and the ingredients of that potential are different for each human consciousness. So none of us are alike. It's unique. It's unique. And we need to be accepted unconditionally to give that unique part of us the freedom to be and to evolve. And create. Ultimately create experiences by which we can grow, by which we can evolve, by which we can learn. Now, this is where belief systems come into place. They can be the promoters of our growth, involvement, and fulfillment. Happiness, if you like, which is a side issue uh, to all of this. Fulfillment. And we can have beliefs that totally block us from achieving any of that. Now, obviously, the belief systems that block us are based on fear.
0: And we perceive them as negative because they have negative results.
1: They have negative outcomes in our life. And they make us feel bad. So they have they create negative feelings. Um, they create behaviors that are bad, which are negative behaviors. that make us manipulative, aggressive, confronting. They make us... Uh, want to be dominating and controlling. Their makers want to become violent and abusive. So there's nothing good to be said about fear. So there's nothing that you could convince me of as an individual um, that anything that comes from fear can create a positive experience. You may want to twist it that way, but ultimately it's not. Mm. On the final analysis, if you were to break down all the elements involved, you will find that fear will always have a destructive element in it for the individual and for the environment. Now,
0: and sorry, just to just sort of tie those two things together, then you don't then personally believe that fear has any um, purpose in the person, personal growth or evolution of self. Uh, in other words, that a negative experience can teach you a lesson that you need to learn and understand so you can move past it. Is well, there, Is there a role for it to play in that, or would we have been better off just starting from where we were in our innate sense of self-love and experience things without the fear involved? We still would have got further than if the fear was there as a block. Or do you need to overcome fear sometimes to move forward?
1: I don't think, um, and that's my opinion, that fear is a necessary part of life. You don't think it's... A- no, not at all. Not at all. But... Um, when fear does come into your life and when it makes its presence felt it is a definite sign that you're on the wrong track Mm. that your belief systems as you hold them about this particular area of your life or subject in your life or actions or or, or goals in your life um, that there is something wrong with what is going on here and what you believe um, um, about all of this there's a need to change the lens you cl- need to change the lens, yeah, mm. but that means that you need to, first of all, take responsibility that you are the owner of this belief, that you are the proprietor, and that you're the one holding on to it. Nobody's doing anything to you, mm. right? So we're talking now about responsibility for the beliefs that you hold, that you cannot blame anybody for a bad experience when you are a major contributor to the, to the event and a participator, so you need to always look within yourself if life is not what you want it to be. Now, that is even a wrong statement in some respects because most of the time people want life to be opposite to what their fears are. <laughs> and so when they, have, when they manage to create an, a moment in their life where their fears are not realized, they may even have something that we often call happiness which is then created by the release of a fear, which is kind of a false sense of happiness because it will never last. Mm. And it is not even real happiness because it actually is a relief from fear.
0: Temporary relief.
1: It's a relief from fear, which you interpret as happiness, but it's not. True happiness is not that. True happiness only comes from positive beliefs. processes and beliefs. Yeah. Mm. So um, when we go back to belief, so what is a belief? I'm just winding back to the beginning again because there's lots of things being said so far, but maybe for the listeners, this is not quite the explanation what a belief is. So a belief becomes um, realized through the interaction between you and a parent who is acting out of their fears. So that fear could be coming out as an annoyance, as an irritation, as over-disciplinarian behavior, as rejection, as criticism and judgment, as discontent with you, disappointment in you, um, being um, judging you not to be good enough or inferior, or you happen to be the wrong sex to what your parents want you to be. You're being a girl instead of a boy or a boy instead of a girl. Um, you don't um, have the same interests as your parents have. And so you want to do something in one field and your parents want you to follow family tradition or something of that nature. Um, You may be raised in a family that is um, by its nature nature chauvinistic and um, the boy, your brother, is preferred over you because you're a girl. Right? Or your older brother is preferred over you and you're the second child, and you get forgotten. Or everybody is forgotten in your family because of the youngest child, who is now the favorite. So... Or even, th-
0: even that the parents have so much time for each other that all the children are essentially secondary.
1: When, when the parents are so needy of each other that um, they feel that any distraction from their own need fulfillment because of the demands and needs and expectations of their own children um, becomes a becomes an irritation to them, and they basically cut themselves off from their children emotionally um, to be with each other, and see any needs and expectations the children demand from them as a intrusion in that relationship. And so again, this rejection, not being wanted, not being good enough, uh, I don't belong. Um, the children learn to suppress emotions, feelings, needs, and expectations. They become fearful of expressing them, fearful of being in the world as they really are, because they've already experienced that they're unacceptable. And this is probably one of the core things that happens immediately when a child is born, that it, any experience that it has becomes an experience of itself. And because it can't separate itself from the experience, it feels a child a baby feels it is about it so if the mother rejects a certain behavior in a in a in a very um, let's call it aggressive way the child will feel that it is rejected it's not just a behavior the mother may think that um, ah it's just about what he did but for the child it's not like that the child feels rejected completely as a human being by that rejection, depending on how the discipline or how the control is being exercised. Now, parents who have a lot of insecurities and fears obviously are very sensitive to a lot of things and uh, have their fears and insecurity raised by all manner of situations. And children, being spontaneous initially, when they come into the world, will put no limits on their behavior and, of course, need to learn self-discipline I'm not talking about being disciplined. I'm talking about teaching children responsibility and self-discipline.
0: Which come from, and they, they align with that place of innate love that you talked about rather than coming from a fear place. Of course. Yeah.
1: Because self-discipline is also a necessary part of their emotional survival mm-hmm. and is a necessary part of being responsible for the consequences of your decisions. It's, it's about owning your life. Being powerful in your own life. Being powerful. And this, I I need to mention this as well, is that if you have fear-based beliefs, then you inadvertently will shift the power of your life to the outside world. And the reason for that is, is that if you believe, let me go with, with acceptable again, just as an example, if you believe you're unacceptable, then there is a need for you to be accepted by others. So then you become dependable, no, sorry, then you become dependent, that's the word I dependent should use. On others for your acceptance mm. and self-acceptance. And so you're always in worry and concern and in stress that they won't accept you or they, they will judge what you do or judge what you say or reject what you say.
0: I can see that the the difference is that obviously in that scenario then where you're looking outwards for acceptance, the... Whether you feel in, that, in a particular moment accepted or not depends on other people, and therefore you do not got the power over how, you, how your feelings and emotions run. Whereas if you've got an innate sense of yourself that you are acceptable, then you're always in that state.
1: Yeah, you're but not relying you,
0: on others to go up and down.
1: That's right. But if you believe you're unacceptable, then your sense of your own being is controlled by others. Mm. So who you believe yourself to be is ultimately somebody else's choice, not yours. Mm. And so you shifting the power of, of your own being to another, to the outside world, right? And that, it it kind of reflects what happened to you as a baby, that when your parent judged you, you felt unacceptable because they may not have found a certain choice or behavior or whatever that you did acceptable, but you felt totally unacceptable because it felt like a rejection of you. And when you're older, right, you're still doing it. You still think that a rejection or a criticism or a judgment by somebody else of you means that, oh, I am not good enough. So
0: someone someone might criticize your, your some work that you've done and you take that as a criticism as of a, your entire self.
1: Or your entire self, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we do need to
0: tie this back to the original question about what a belief is. Because I think we've spoken about some metaphors about how beliefs work as a lens yeah. Um, we've spoken about uh, the effect of beliefs and how they create fear, and mm. how that lens then focuses your experiences and your beliefs about yourself. So maybe just wrap up how okay how the belief systems.
1: Once you hold a whole bunch of negative beliefs about yourself, fears and insecurities, as we call them, right? They become definitive of who you believe you are, and what the sense of it is. It is therefore. Locked in. Unchangeable. Sense of self. But it's unchangeable. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. You cannot, you cannot, once you are that, that's who you are, right? This is the general consensus, right? The reality is that belief systems are like tools for your mind, tools for your consciousness. They allow you to manifest and create using your imagination, your fantasy, your creative powers, your insight, what you know, what you even what you don't know but believe possible, which is where your imagination and fantasy come in, right? Because there's probably very little that isn't possible. <laughs> and there is a, an, an amazing amount that is possible that we believe is not possible. Yeah. And the only limitation on this is our beliefs. Yeah. Because the beliefs are the tools that the mind uses to create the reality that you ultimately experience. And now belief systems within themselves have complications, right? They're not simple necessarily to understand. And unfortunately, they're not as as simple as saying, I accept myself or I don't accept myself. There's a lot more to it. it,
0: Not quite as simple as the camera lens. But it is important then to look at them objectively and say, your beliefs are not you. Your beliefs are a, a tool for focusing your life experiences For creating, for creating your life experiences, and therefore, as a tool, they can be used by you and exchanged by you. And if they're negative, they can be removed by you. And you're seeing them as not part of you, but rather a tool that you can use. Exactly. You see them objectively. uh, Yeah. Then you're obviously they can
1: be released. They can be taken on, Mm -hmm. as you did as a child. Mm -hmm. It is where the true power of our consciousness is rooted in our capacity to transform ourselves. Not to transform the world, but to transform ourselves. Mm. And transforming ourselves required changes in our belief structure and belief systems that we define ourselves by. And if we can't do that, then we're not really changing.
0: Mm. Mm. Well, that's actually quite a very good explanation. So thank you very much again, Rudy. It's been an excellent uh, discussion again on beliefs. I think you're the expert on that, in my opinion. So thank you very much, and we'll see you again next time.
1: Thank you.